0: Hello, and welcome to the Complete Mathematics podcast, Teaching Together. I'm Dave Taylor, and today we're joined by my Complete Maths colleague, Karen Mackle.
1: Hi Dave, great to be here.
0: What are we looking at today, Karen?
1: We're going to explore the invention of zero.
0: This objective is in Stage 4, Unit 1 of a Complete Mathematics curriculum. You can access this objective, and the whole curriculum, made up of over 1,800 objectives, for free at completemaths.com. Before we get going, head to completemaths.com forward slash podcast, where you can download the side deck of tasks from today's episode. And once you've got this, let's dive into teach, do you practice, behave with the invention of zero. Before we teach peoples a new idea, we must be sure that we're doing the right maths. If we're not, and it's too easy or too hard, we run the risk of behaviour and motivation issues as pupils develop the idea that they're not a maths person, or that they don't need to work hard. And neither of these two things are true. We can check that we're doing the right maths by assessing prerequisite knowledge for this new mathematical idea. So Kieran, what are the prerequisites and how are we testing them?
1: For me, there are two prerequisite ideas that we need to focus our attention on. The first one is related to the learning pupils will have done on ancient number systems. And obviously we've covered that in a previous podcast before. And it's this hinterland that builds directly on sort of this big idea of, of numerosity and, and unitization. Um, but we have a very specific difference in fact that this will directly impact or affect the pupils' understanding of mathematics, you know, because we've moved from what is essentially some really nice information to have to a concept that is essential for pupils to understand if they want to engage with uh, later mathematics. So we need to consider ancient number systems, and we also need to consider place value, And um, because I'm not going to teach this to pupils who don't have a solid understanding of place value. And what I really want to do is I want to give them an enriched understanding of place value, but if those Essential building blocks aren't in place, you know, probably within numbers to 1,000, maybe 10,000. Um, because what we could do is we could hook the different uh, ideas onto what people already know, and we can sort of hang our connections onto them. And without those two in place, I don't think you get to understand zero in the way that we hope pupils will.
0: And we can test those ideas by looking at uh, tasks that are like those on slide three. And now we've assessed this prerequisite knowledge and we know pupils are ready to learn the new idea. We're ready to teach. In the teach phase, the idea is entirely novel to people sitting just beyond their current level of understanding. The teacher shares key facts and uses metaphor and model to explain and describe so that pupils can make meaning and form connections with their current schema. Karen, how does the teach phase look for the invention of zero? So I think if this is something you're not comfortable with,
1: or perhaps don't have much experience of, the classroom offering—you know—the information that we have in classroom and the pedagogical notes and and various other tabs on that um, that part of the the platform are really really detailed. So I think you go there because zero essentially exists in two forms. It exists as a position on the number line, you know, that boundary between positive and negative. Numbers, um, but is also a number in, in its own right. Um, although I think that might be contested, so I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this, and uh, um, you know, or a lot of backlash. You know, maybe not hate mail is too strong. Um, but I think perhaps most pertinent at this point is that it can also more simply signify the absence of value. Um, and I think this should be seen as distinct from zero value, and certainly that's something we cover on on classroom. Um, now, the reason we've got this sort of objective with the invention of zero is because zero wasn't always accepted as a number throughout most of history. Um, and there are many reasons for this. Some of them are logical, others are philosophical, um, and some might have been religious, although I'm not 100% on the sort of reason behind that. Um, but eventually, uh, sort of in the, in, the Indian subcontinent and, you know, because a lot of the, the richest thought in, in, in terms of mathematics was, was taking place in, um, in the, in the East um relative to where we are now, Dave. Um, and scholars like Brahmagupta Gupta were developing mathematics and they realized that they needed, um they needed this, this new concept to open up the rest of mathematics. And, um, and so this, this is a long way of saying that the story is probably the most important part of the uh, of the teach phase. You know, essentially, we're going to use this expositional story and um, we're, liter- we're not literally teaching them the what, because I I think that should probably have happened in stage three. Um, but you're teaching them about how it came to be formed, the function it performs, um, and it's role in the advancement of society and and this sort of ever greater knowledge, you know, because the golden age of Islam, in which a lot of, you know, wonderful advancements took place, I don't think is possible without zero. And and so really the world as we know it is perhaps not possible without this. And so it's this story and, and the importance of this because people will already know that it, it signifies an absence of value. You know, at the age of seven or eight, they typically introduce this idea, maybe even before that. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to, for instance, take the information some classroom, do some reading. There's a book called the um, the Map of Knowledge, which looks at seven cities throughout um, ancient uh, history, and sort of build up our pupils' hinterland and their understanding of of, the, of this really wonderful story. I think, um, and so instead of on the slides putting my version of the story and I know that there are perhaps you know the, there are no hard and fast records about th- this story you know there's no you can't go to one place and find the precise version but this is what I built up over years of reading um, and so on the slide you'll find a recording of a story you might share with pupils as you introduce this idea
0: yeah and what we're going to do now is uh, after the beep the story is going to play and once the story is finished, we'll transition into the do fizz.
1: The invention of zero. The invention of zero is a remarkable chapter in the history of mathematics and human thought. Its origin can be traced back to ancient civilizations, particularly to the Indian subcontinent. Around the 5th century CE, a significant breakthrough occurred, leading to the development and conceptualization of the concept of zero. In ancient India, Numerical systems were primarily based on symbols. The numeral system used at the time employed place value, meaning the value of a digit depended on its position in a number. However, this system lacked a placeholder for an empty position, which posed significant challenges for calculations and record-keeping. To address this issue, Indian mathematicians began experimenting with various symbols and notations. One of the earliest examples of a symbol for zero was found in in the Bhakshali Manuscript, dating back to the 3rd century CE. It depicted a dot-like symbol, which eventually evolved into the concept of zero. The breakthrough in understanding zero as a number, with inherent properties, is often attributed to the Indian mathematician and astronomer, Brahmagupta. In the 7th century CE, Brahmagupta formulated rules and principles governing the operations involving zero. His work laid the foundations for the concepts usage ...as a legitimate number in calculations. Brahmagupta recognised that when zero is added to or subtracted from a number... ...the number remains unchanged, a concept known as the additive identity property. He also realised that multiplying a number by zero always resulted in zero... ...known as the multiplicative property. Furthermore, he introduced the concept of zero as a placeholder... ...in positional numeral systems, revolutionising mathematical notations... The advancements made by Brahmagupta and other mathematicians gradually spread to other regions, including the Arab world. During the Islamic Golden Age, Arab scholars encountered Indian mathematical texts, including those that dealt with zero. They recognised the significance of zero and its potential applications in various fields. One prominent mathematician of the time, Muhammad ibn Musa al khwarizmi known as the father of algebra, played a crucial role in popularising the concept of zero in the Islamic world. Al-Khwarizmi's works, such as his treatise on Arithmetic, incorporated the use of zero extensively. From the Arab world, the knowledge of zero and its properties eventually spread to Europe, through trade and cultural exchanges. European scholars became aware of the advancements made in mathematics and adopted the concept of zero into their own numeral systems. This adoption was instrumental in the development of modern arithmetic and algebra. The invention of zero revolutionized mathematics and had far-reaching implications for science, technology, and commerce. It enabled more sophi- sophisticated calculations, including the representation of large numbers and decimal fractions. With zero as a placeholder, numerical notations became more efficient and accurate, contributing to the advancement of various scientific disciplines. In conclusion, the story of the invention of zero spans centuries and multiple civilizations. It emerged as a solution to the challenges faced by ancient mathematicians and evolved into a fundamental concept with profound implications for mathematics and beyond. The contributions of Indian and Arab mathematicians paved the way for the adoption and integration of zero into the mathematical systems used worldwide, shaping the way we understand and manipulate numbers to this day.
0: Now that we've talked about the teach phase, let's talk about do. In the do phase, pupils are simply replicating what they've been shown and performing with this new idea. Performance is a poor indicator of learning, and we should say that in the do phase, deep and meaningful learning probably hasn't yet occurred. The do phase complements the teach phase by allowing pupils to develop confidence and fluency in working with the new procedure. The teaching is responsive, amending models or examples to make stronger connections in pupils' schema. And to maintain people motivation, the aim is for pupils to be successfully replicating the novel idea before we start to explore the idea in greater depth. So, what might a typical do phase look like, Aaron?
1: What's important for me is that pupils are thinking really hard about the structural features of the number of systems, and so, for instance, if you know, I I think about Roman numerals. Quite a bit when I think about the invention of zero, because there was almost this shift towards the end of the the Roman Empire where in which they decided that it, it was necessary um so whatever task we choose, we want to focus their attention on the structural properties that they can then utilize when exploring mathematics um with the base ten number system that we use and um, so before like when we explored ancient number systems in previous podcast, we focused primarily on the comparison of different systems. And that's where we, we sort of directed people attention. So I think this time we asked them to calculate with additive systems, because obviously it's it's the calculation with zero that changes how we view mathematics. And so if we can focus their attention on on what it's like to calculate, and it might be that we need to instruct a little bit because you would hope that pupils have a solid understanding of additive reasoning by this point in the in the sequence, that it might only be a small tweak, and then actually you want them to struggle and think, "Oh my goodness, wh- what do I have to do here to manipulate these numbers?" And um, and so, you know, I think what you're doing is you're developing pupil schema because you're taking something that they have daily experience of. And then put it in a different context. You know, just like when you see Mark talk about base seven and calculating base seven, or when um, you know, you ask pupils to work in base two instead of base ten. We're asking pupils to take what they know and utilize it in a in a novel context. But I think what this novel context does is it opens up an understanding of why this was such an essential change in how mathematicians operated.
0: And having worked through the teach and do phases, and pupils have been successful in developing fluency, we're going to segue into the practice phase, and that's coming up next. In the practice phase, pupils move beyond simply performing and begin to develop more flexible knowledge of the idea. Through the teaching do phases, pupils are now fluent with the idea, so we're now directing their attention to underlying structures, relationships, and principles, bringing about strong connections with prior knowledge. We're looking for well-structured and intelligent design tasks that will aid pupils in forming links with their existing schema. So what might the practice phase look like, Kieran?
1: So in, in the do phase, we ask pupils to calculate within additive systems. And so I think at this point I would pose the question to them, why didn't additive systems, for example, Roman numerals, need to use zero? And essentially, you know, you, the first thing you said to me was, Well, why didn't additive systems need to use zero? So it might be that they arrive at the, the idea that well, actually, here are all the things that are possible when you're not using an additive system, you know, when multiplicative thought is open to you. But really this is the a critical analysis, perhaps. Of the mathematics as it was and what it could be, you know, so, you know, cause I mean, again, I'm happy to be corrected, but within certain ancient civilizations, the scale necessary or the scale that makes multiplicative um, calculation necessary just wasn't there. And so you would, you know, I think you would often find that an additive system, you know, you can eventually get to the same point, you know, using multiplicative um, calculation, but um, it it just wasn't necessary. Um, And I think when the scale increases, that's perhaps when you need to think about this, but that's only one possible interpretation. But what I want the pupils to do is I want them to think about the situations in which the additive system is sufficient. You know, based on their experience of the do phase and, and the sort of exposition that they've had, but then perhaps probe further and say, well, um, actually, it you know, here are the things that were limited because of the um the absence of zero. So I, I don't know. I mean, I could say that it's very difficult to piece together um sources from civilizations that were around you know more than five thousand years ago. But um, th- this is my sort of. Not best bet, but this is this is where my thinking has taken me to the moment. And, and the minute I read something to the contrary, I might tweak it. But I think this is a, v- a valuable use of people's time, you know, particularly when we're trying to develop their understanding of the the importance. And so it's okay. This additive system functions. Perhaps things could be him um, advanced.
0: Yes. Yeah, so speaking from my um, secondary teacher perspective, the invention of zero and Honestly, Kerry, everything that you've spoken about in this podcast is absolutely blowing my mind because it's nothing that I've ever really given thought to. So, my first response to why didn't additive systems need to use a zero numeral is that the place value is within the symbols. Does that does that make sense? So, yeah, sorry. So, so the zero isn't isn't exactly necessary because for two hundred is CC, um, and as a result, I don't need. Any zeros to follow that because the zeros are implied by CC. I did when we did ancient number systems read that a lot of the symbols uh, you just bugged about scale that a lot of the symbols were sorry, scale was then inferred from context in terms of a symbol was being used and let's say that symbol was two but there were many of them then that could be 200 or 2000 I hope that makes sense
1: it does I mean if you look at the Latin-based languages, context is key in understanding. You know, the use of articles, the use of um, pronouns and things isn't necessarily as prevalent as it might be in Germanic languages and in and English in particular. So I think that makes a lot of sense because I think that it, it feels like that's a cultural point in terms of here is the, um, here, you should have sufficient context in which to manipulate. And, and I'm just thinking, it. you know, it might be that. It's probably more difficult for pupils to justify this older way of thinking than it is for them to say, "Well, actually, yeah, the current system is is perfect." Because obviously, there are things we might change about the, the current system we have in place. And so, you know, you might find that um, pupils trying to opt for the easy way out when really you should think, "Well, can you know, can you justify this? You know, what what might they've been thinking? You know." So, I think, yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense to you.
0: So after pupils have assimilated the idea into their schema during the practice phase, forming strong connections between the novel idea and their existing knowledge, we're looking at them behaving mathematically. Yeah. We deepen understanding through behaving mathematically, and if I is to develop mathematicians, then this phase is the most important of all. When behaving mathematically, maturation matters. In this phase, tasks are chosen from well-embedded and mature ideas that connect to a novel idea. And a good rule of thumb is that this kind of maturation takes two years. So we're looking for pupils to transition from specialising to conjecturing and generalising, and through to analysing and reasoning with a related idea from roughly two stages previous. Now for the invention of zero, Kieran, you said off-air um, that Kind of behaving with place value throughout this task, um, well throughout this whole learning episode. So in terms of a behave task, we're now looking at something that is more forward-facing. So what what have you got for us?
1: Yeah, I think so. Because essentially you're taking, like we said at the very start, you're taking your knowledge of place value, and you're utilizing in novel context and sort of really enriching and developing it. So I think in the future, 1089. You know, that wonderful task. I think on enrich it's called Subtraction Surprise. And you can get to the point where you can devise an algebraic proof. Don't know if devise is the operative verb there. Formalize? Um, formalize, yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm happy to take your lead on this, Dave. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, if, if you get to that point where you can generalize uh then I think you're taking all of this knowledge and you are using it to come to a pretty beautiful mathematical truth. So I would not be in a rush to force a behave phase here because of the heavy thinking pupils will have to do the whole way through. You know, we're really changing how they see number throughout this episode and throughout this whole sequence across the um, across this unit. And so I really think, yeah. Let's put this in the bank, and we'll come back to it. What's we'll say, three or four stages later, when you might ask pupils to to think even more deeply about the mathematics here.
0: Yeah. So 1089 has been put together by uh, our own Jonathan Hall uh, at Study Maths uh, on the Teacher CPD College. So, if you are on the side of tasks and you click the image, which is the uh, 1089 cover um, page for, for the course on the Teacher CPD College, it'll take you straight there. There are two videos as introductions. And then if you are a member, you'll get access to the whole course, which will talk you through how to introduce 1089 and how you can extend 1089 um, through the wonderful Jonathan Hall.
1: Big time. I mean, I watched that when I was still in school. My school paid for my subscription to the CBD college because I think, you know, they're benefiting from my enriched professional development. So I would watch, you know, five or 10 minutes at lunchtime. And uh, I think this must have been the first course I started with. Um, it's It's a fantastic one.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Teaching Together. Remember that you can check out the entire curriculum. That's over 1,800 objectives for free at completemaths.com. We hope that you've taken a lot from this episode. And if you have any questions, comments, or thoughts, don't hesitate to get in touch on Twitter. I'm on at TaylorDA01.
1: And I'm Kieran underscore M underscore Ed.
0: Or you can get complete maths on at LaSalle Ed. Or you can contact us via email I'm Dave at CompleteMaths.com. And I'm Kieran
1: at CompleteMaths.com.
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your chosen podcast provider. And please feel free to pass the pod to both colleagues and friends so that we can all improve our... Teaching together. Until next time, take care.